Yes, hello. I am James Rowland. Today it's a WNR 307. We're going to be looking at AEW All Out 20. And I've got the pleasure to say that I am joined by the Chokeslam Report. How you doing, mate? You all right? I'm good. I'm known as the ultimate one here in New York City, man. It's a pleasure being yourself. I am so happy you are from New York City and I'm here for good old London, England. We're reaching yeah. across the Atlantic and it, I think it's brilliant we can do it with modern technology as well. Yeah, crossing the pond, like your guys say, crossing the pond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely brilliant, like I said, to have someone like that. And, and a difference of opinion as well. Like I said, we're going to get into AEW All Out. Now, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, about the podcast that you do as well? Well, uh, well, my real name is Henry Valentine, but I go by my gimmick name on the Chokeslam Wrestling Report, the ultimate one. And the reason it was the Ultimate Warrior, I was a big Ultimate Warrior fan when I was growing up. Uh, I started doing a podcast about, i say about a year and a half ago. It's funny because I, I've been watching wrestling since I was like four or five years old. I'm close to 50. And I decided, I said, you know what? You know, I'm passionate about this industry. I love wrestling. I've seen so many eras and all that. So I decided, let me, let me do a podcast just for the fun of it, see how it goes. And... And it's, it's been a roller coaster ride. I met so many beautiful people, and you know, I, you know, I guess the support through Twitter, through social media. I mean, you got a little trolls here and there, but you know, that's part of the job. You got to ignore that and just, you know, enjoy the the ride as far as you know the wrestling podcast. I think without a doubt, and I think like you say on Twitter, sometimes uh, people can be a little bit trolly or or egg you on with comments, but I feel like, especially with the Twitter feed and, and the way we are, it's the people you interact with. And like I said, finding like-minded people who you can have a difference of opinion, but you don't have to start, you know, name-calling or anything else like that, you know, and I think that's, that's why true. it works. That's true. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's the game now, you know what I'm saying? Like, as far as the, the wrestling fans today, they're very, I mean, I understand they're passionate about their promotion, their support and all that. But the name calling all that, everybody got different opinion. You may not agree with whatever, you know, the outcome of a match or a wrestler, you know. You just got to be civilized instead of acting like animals. Well, yeah, I think without a doubt. So um, we've been following AEW on the WNR podcast now since its inception. What have you thought up until this point about AEW? Because there's a lot of AEW fanboys that say it's the best thing going. And a lot of people say, well, maybe they're not there yet. So what's your personal opinion on it? Well, I, I, at the beginning, I mean, it was more, it was different. It was a different, um, it was a, a choice. You know, if you got tired of watching WWE and, and whatever they were putting on TV, now this was a, a, a choice for you to watch. I mean, within the year, they have brought in a lot of stars and all that. But to me, my opinion, I think, even though I understand they're trying to do like long-term storylines, I think they too slow snail pace when it comes to stories. Um, and um, right now, after what happened last night, um, you know, it kind of leaves me questioning uh, where they're going to go from here. Uh, but overall, they've done great. They, they showed they got the best tag team division in the industry. I mean, nobody could beat AEW when it comes to tag team. Um, but, you know, as far as, you know, making new stars, they still got to try to you know, push like the Joey Janellas, uh, you know, the not Lance Archer, because Lance Archer's been around, but, you know, the younger crowd, like Jungle Boy, you know, Luchasaurus, they need to push them much more than what they're doing right now. Yeah, I think what we've seen in the past, especially if we use, like, uh, TNA 
as a kind of benchmark for it is they've got to create their own identity. And of course, they got used name value from the WWE, you know, the wrestlers that come down, but try and find a, a nice balance in between it and create new stars as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, I think what was, well, I think they really, I mean, they pretty much, I think they got it covered. The only uh, place that I see that they having a lot of issue is the women's division. I mean, last night, Thunder Rosa and, um, Hiroki Shida did a great match the week before Thunder Rosa with with Deeps, and that was a great match. That's the type of wrestling matches they should have every week in the women's division, but the women that they have on their roster, they still green. There's a lot of botches, but, you know, it's not even a year yet, so I mean, you got to give them a chance. Yeah, and I think with that as well, it's, it's almost like positioning, because when you look at NXT and they usually have the women's match, in the co-main event, and I think that gives it a little bit of legitimacy. And with AEW not really being around that long at this moment in time, like I said, they have to kind of build within the division. But um, hopefully they can get around that. So let's get on with it, and let's start with AEW All Out. And we started off with the buy-in, of course, an hour before the show actually started. Now, unfortunately, because I'm in the UK as well, I had to stay up to about 5 o'clock in the morning to watch the entire thing. Um, yeah, which know. you know, <laughs> yeah, which wasn't great, but again, it's the sacrifices you make as a wrestling fan, you know. Yeah, yes, yeah. It was, uh, I think it was what seven over here in New York. When it yeah, started. I seven know. Fifteen, seven thirty, something like that. You lucky guys. That's what I was yeah. saying. Yeah, because it started about seven. We had a half hour of talk, and then we got into the action. The first match was Joey Janela versus Serpentico. Now, this is a match that. Um, I didn't think it was too bad. I'm I'm not a huge fan of Joey Janela, and I don't really know much about Serpentinko anyway. What were your thoughts on the match overall? I mean, it, to me, it felt like an AEW dark match, to be honest with you. Um, but I think it's more of, if you think about what happened last Wednesday where Jericho um, opened up Janela... <laughs> and, and he... Um, that's my dog. Somebody came to the house. Um, <laughs> So, um, you know, what happened to Janela last week when he got opened up by, you know, um, Jericho. And yeah. if you know that after the match, the first thing that Janela said something was about the inner circle. Um, and if, as we go on, we're gonna, I'm going to tell you more. I think what's going to happen now is Joey Janela is going to have some type of uh, program with the inner circle, you know. Um, Serpentico, I did not know he's been in wrestling that long, 18 years. I don't know who's behind the hood. Um, I usually know who they are, but, mm. you know, Serpentico is pretty good. Uh, I think uh, if he's been around for 18 years, um, you know, I think they should do like a maybe a, a junior title, you know, for the smaller guys, you know, like guys like that. Um, because, I mean, Serpentico is good, but then they got him teaming with Luther. Luther's been around for ages, mm. for like since uh, the days of FMW, um, uh, Japan explosion shows and all that. So it was pretty good. I mean, to start the show, you know, you get everybody, you know, a little raw up waiting for the, you know, oh, I can't wait to see the next match, you know. So it, it yep. was pretty good. It wasn't that bad. No, it wasn't a bad match. Like I said, Joe Janela's got a lot of fans as well. And there's certain captain, like I said, talking about Chris Jericho, makes you think that's maybe going to open it up for him. I think with Serpentico and a lot of the wrestlers like that, uh, with the amount of kind of stuff AEW do across social media and across on Dynamite, these video packages explaining to the audience, who these wrestlers are, what their goals are, I think is vital, especially in this day and age where it's only going to take like a three-minute video to kind of catch you up on what these wrestlers are all about as well, you know? 
Oh uh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, but um, um, you know, um, it's it's that's I think they should have done that from the beginning. Like do like every week a package deal, uh, to see um, you know um, their their background, where they came from, where they wrestled. That they should have done that weeks ago. Uh, and this is one of the things that that that, that gets on my nerves with AEW because they should have done all this in the beginning. I'm gonna give you like a little lesson where these guys came from. Right? Now, like in mid between, like between now and the, the year, they now they're doing it. But you know, I mean, Joy Janela is gonna be the crazy, you know, the crazy hardcore type of guy, you know, who's yeah. not scared to wrestle anybody. I mean, I mean, that's who knows. I mean, like I said, it's not even a year. We'll, and if they, uh, Tony Khan said it, they're all about long term storyline. Yeah, I think the thing is as well, the, the problem with AEW don't want to do is overload the roster because it's all well and good getting these great independent wrestlers to come in, a bit like we saw with the Open Challenge with Cody, but with the roster that they've got to make sure they're using them, some like Sean Spears, to actually have a little bit of character development and see what they're doing as opposed to concentrating on, you know, 10 new guys that are coming in, which don't get me wrong, I know they've got AEW Dark and other programs, but just try and do too much at once as well, isn't it, you know? Yeah, I mean, and again, they got too many guys, and and you know, um, and you know, everybody's trying to have some TV time, especially, you know, they're trying to be on the YouTube thing, you know. So you know, it's we'll we'll see. We'll see. I mean, the, I mean, the way it started, it was pretty good. It wasn't that bad, um, um, but I was surprised they even put that match because I, I thought all the time there's gonna be Britt Baker and and Swole. Yeah, I think without doubt, I think because uh, there was a few complaints about the women's match taking part on the, the buy-in, they moved it to the main show, which, in fact, I think hurt it. But like I say, we'll get on to that in a second. So I'm going to give that first match two and a half out of five anyway, because it was pretty yeah. basic as it was. Yeah, it was about that, two and a half. But it's like, it was like a, one of those, uh, like I said, Tuesday night um, AEW dark, you know, yeah, I think guys just showing their skills and, you know, like just letting everybody know, look, this is Joey Janela. This is what he does. So Pentico, the same thing. But I was surprised when they said that he's been in the business for 18 years. I'm like, 18 years? Wow. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think without a doubt. So Janela won that with the elbow off the top. Uh, we did predictions. Of course, we challenged each other uh, at yes. the event. Uh, we both went for Janela to start off. We started off one all. We also did a poll on our Twitter at the WNR podcast. And Joe Janela got 76% of the vote. So that wasn't really much in doubt mm. the next batch in the buy-in was dark order versus private party now uh, private party for me and i said this on twitter as well they are ultra talented probably the most athletic tag team in aew but you need to something a little bit more to actually make it if you know what i mean yeah and, and my problem with this is that i follow private party since house of glory because i'm up here in new york city they have a uh, 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 promotion called House of Glory, and they, they all located in New York City. So I saw them when they, uh, I think about a year ago when I first saw them, and I was very impressed with their talent, with their skills, whatever. But since they come up AEW, when they start, when they came in, they were uh, pretty much, you know, showing the same skills that they were showing when I so first saw them. But now I noticed that they, they got a lot of skills, but they bought some of their moves. Their timing is a little off. You know what I'm saying? Not, not that I'm saying they they horrible, but it's just their timing sometimes a little off and like they don't know what's going on sometimes. Um, and then wrestling the Dark Order, which was Mark Silver, another guy that I seen in House of Glory, and Alex Reno. I felt this is just my opinion. I felt that they should have gave it, 
to Alex Reynolds and Mark Silva because they part of the Dark Order. Now you want to make the Dark Order this evil cult, you know. You know, you gotta push these guys also. You know what I'm saying? Not make them like the weak link of the group. Yeah, this is what I I thought as well with the Dark Order was like, you know, you're building towards something special and to a point where your your big baby faces are the one to knock them off. But at this point in time, it's all about building, getting victories, and kind of being dominant. Um, I understand with Private Party, they're like a very talented team, but I thought at this point in time, oh, this is going to be dark orders. It, again, wasn't a bad match, you know. No, it, was, it wasn't a bad match, not at all. But uh, I was disappointed in the fact that they gave it to Private Party. And I feel like Private Party, uh, it's the same thing like with the LAX. LAX is all, all, all probably powerful, whatever you want to call them now. They came in last year. They were like the hottest tag team and whatever. But if you see... the you look at what they've done with Private Party and what they've done with uh, Proud and Powerful. Private Party has gotten more title shots than Proud and Powerful, you know. But, you know, I, I don't know where they're going to go with Private Party. I mean, they're good, they give good matches, but I still think Dark Order should have won that match. Yeah, it's all about building the Dark Order. And that's why yeah. I think both prediction-wise, we both went... Uh, now and it looked like they were going to actually get the job done because there was a couple of really nice false finishes towards the end but of course Pirate Party recovered hit the gin and juice and that was job done so it was one of the predictions sorry go on yeah but Mark Silver Mark Silver is one little guy there and this guy doesn't get a lot of credit and he's a very small guy well small guy on TV he's not that small when I see him in person but he did that F5 it looked like he threw the guy through it like he spent like three times in the air that is amazing skills to do that, you know? And this is what I'm saying. Like, guys like that should be pushed because, you know, they show what they got, you know what I'm saying? But if they keep losing every week, you're going to make them look stale, you know? I, I think without a doubt, you know, and I think this is what it says with predictions, we're going to be Dark Order on the poll as well. Dark Order had 74% of that vote. So Private Party actually getting a victory was considered a surprise as well. Oh, wow. 74%? Yeah, 74%. Yeah, so I know we, everybody was wrong with that one. And, but, that um, go, but that goes to show you that there's the Dark Order is getting a following. And yeah. if you keep uh, if you keep squashing these guys, then how legit are you going to make Dark Order? This you know? is also, Yeah, and this is the thing. And Dark Order is one of those things when they first started, um, everybody was so kind of against it and said it didn't really work. And then Brody Lee coming in, kind of changing the group. You need to... Yeah. You've seen it with WWE so many times where they don't capture that momentum that's going on, and they feel like mm-hmm. that was an opportunity last, uh, you know, at that as well, you know. Yes, yes, that's true. That is true. All right, so we started the main show, and it was the tooth and nail match, Big Swell versus Dr. Britt Baker. Now, I really enjoyed these two women, but I just felt to start the show off, it was just a complete disconnect, you know? I, I, I well... You have to look at it. I think the reason they did the cinematic stuff, because I don't think Britt Baker's leg was ready to be in a ring. So they did the cinematic stuff to, you know, to make it, you know, again, entertaining because it was funny. I mean, it, I I was dying laughing and most of the stuff that they were doing in this uh, cinematic match. I even dropped my sangria on the floor. That's, that's how funny it was. <laughs> to me. So I had a lot of fun watching this. But at first I thought, and I said, why did they do a cinematic? But it makes sense because remember, she, I think, uh, tore her ACL. You're not going to get better in an amount of three months, four months on an ACL. You know what I'm saying? It's going to take time. 
So I think that's the reason they did it cinematic. Um, they gave it to Swole, which kind of surprised me because I thought they were going to give it to Britt Baker. Being that Britt Baker is like the heel and she has a lot of charisma now compared to when she first came in. And, you know, and Reba, forget it, she makes it much funnier. So I was surprised that Swole actually won that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but but it was entertaining. I, I found it entertaining. I laughed my ass off. Um, I, had, I had fun with it, you know? I mean, yeah, it, it did disconnect. Because that's not the way to start a pay per view, you know what I'm saying? But I, I you know, I, 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 I enjoyed it. I think it was is strange because we've seen so many cinematic matches now that yes. you they're trying to kind of either top each other or be a little bit different, um, and maybe they need to calm it down a little bit and maybe come up with a different idea. Don't get me wrong, there was a couple of funny moments. I think maybe the the needle in Baker's leg was full of those moments I'm thinking, oh, bloody oh, hell. Yeah. You know, and then, but it was quite funny putting her to sleep with the anesthesia as well because obviously you're going to have to incorporate it. I just thought it'd be the other way around, you know? Yeah, but that the, but see the cinematic, compare. I mean, if you compare it with WWE, how they do the cinematic stuff, compared to the way AEW did this one, it wasn't a long cinematic stuff. I think it was like four or five minutes, probably. Um, I think WWE sometimes over overdoes it, you know. Um, but I, I I enjoyed it as as much. That's all I could say about it. But I think the reason they did the cinematic stuff was because I don't think Britt Baker was ready to wrestle actually in a wrestling ring because of the injury she had a couple of months ago. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Um, but again to start the show wasn't too bad at this point because obviously when you're staying up until god knows in the morning you kind of want the, <laughs> the, the car to go along at a good pace and i know with AEW shows sometimes it could creep you know to three and a half hour yeah, range. And, and i feel for you because i know you probably stood up you was up late watching this and then you first match you see it's a cinematic match you probably saying to myself my goodness what is going on here Exactly, and then you like it's, t- it's it's over in you know five or ten minutes. You're thinking, right? If they keep going like this speed, this might be like a two and a half hour show. It didn't end up that way, but again, I'm going to give that three out of five. The the opening match because it wasn't brilliant, but like I said, it had its moments, didn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah, I agree with it. Three out of five, yeah, it was pretty good. It had, it was hilarious. I mean, I found it hilarious. Like I said, you know, I, I haven't laughed that hard in a long time, you know. And wrestling sometimes is very comedic, but sometimes you look at it like, oh, this is not funny. But this was funny. This was fun. hilarious, entertaining, and a good way to keep people up waiting for the, you know, for the actual matches to start. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, Prediction-wise than that, we both went Britt Baker, so neither of us got a point. The poll-wise, again, uh, poll 70% for Britt Baker. So, oh, wow. Uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, the well, next... In fact, you know what? And, and and I'm not surprised with that poll because I probably, I, like I said, we both picked Britt Baker. I didn't see Swole winning this. No, exactly, and that's that's the surprise aspect. But I don't I don't mind that sometimes because of how strong Swole looked in the match. She looked like a badass, you know. So uh, I kind of bought into it in that way. Our next match was Jurassic Express versus the Young Bucks. Now, there's no doubt the Young Bucks are one of the greatest tag teams on the planet. Jurassic Express are really entertaining. But was this really right for these two teams to meet on the pay-per-view like this? You know, I, I just think it was obviously with Dynamite the week before, they, they, you know, they won the match to face each other. But was there much point to it, if you know what I mean? I, 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 th- this is the way I was looking at this match coming in. Uh, I figure, okay, being that the Young Bucks were angry at the fact that they uh, hangman page cost them an opportunity to go for the world tag titles and the way they came out last Wednesday 
when they spill a beer over a fan's head because he had a sign, uh, drink my beer, hangman. I figured, well, this is the p- perfect opportunity. You got the Jurassic Express, a very fan favorite uh, tag team. You know, a lot of people like them against the Young Bucks, who now are stressed out, pissed off because they lost an opportunity. So the match was good. I don't think uh, the Young Bucks needed to win this because if you really, if you're really gonna do a heel turn, that would have been a perfect spot for them to do it last night, where yeah. they could have lost to the Jurassic Express, and then maybe they're gonna shake the hands of the Jurassic Express and then attack them and beat them up or whatever. I mean, overall the match is good. It just shows that, I mean, it pretty much highlights what Luchasaurus could do as a big man, six foot five. This guy can move in the ring like a cruiserweight, um, and Jungle Boy. Um, was uh, exposed even more of how good of a talent he is because he took three mm. super kick toward the end. And, um, you know, it shows what he got. But I think the Young Bucks didn't need to win this match. I don't think so. That's that's just my opinion on that. I feel with this as well, it's a case of the kind of the AW uh, positives and the negatives. Yes, they're great at tag team wrestling, but does every match have to be a tag team match? And especially with the Young Bucks and Jurassic Express, there's no doubt Jurassic Express, uh, one of my favorites, you know, Luchasaurus, like I said, the stuff he can do is amazing. But like I said, build story. Will the Young Bucks go from this to a tag team title match? Probably not because, you know, they've got their own thing to sort out first and which way they're going to go. There's no doubt the action was kind of thick and fast as well. And uh, Luchasaurus yeah. was probably... Maybe the star of the show in that way. And he, when he launched himself into the, the front row, that was a hell of a bump that he took. There's no doubt about <laughs> Yeah, six foot five. That's what I'm saying. A guy's six foot five. And there's not a lot of wrestlers in that height and that body that could do that. Jump off the top rope into the crowd outside. I mean, and it cost them the match. But, you know, but that goes to show you what these guys could do. Um, as far as the Young Bucks concerned, I think um, them not being in a title pitcher, um, I think it, they're probably going to end up, they're going to be the ones going to end up challenging the champions for the world title somewhere down the line from here to the next pay-per-view. Uh, but like I said, uh, I agree with what you're saying. I think they didn't need to win this match. Um, I think they could have won. If, if really going to do a heel turn, that would have that was the perfect spot. Yeah, and this is what I'm saying. You, you turn heel because you can't kind of grasp the fact that you're not winning. Do you have to change zone cup? And is it a part of being the elite? And it's a, it's another layer of storyline there. Uh, Jungle Boy Low uh, took the BTE trigger as Matt and Nick earned the victory. And uh, overall, I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. It was nothing spectacular, but I think it was solid and better than we had seen already in the card, I think it would be fair to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. It was three and a half stars. I mean... Like I said, it's just um, showing what I think when these guys wrestle each other like that and show uh, when they wrestle to that uh, specific type of matches, they're just trying to show everybody, look, we got the best tag team in the world in our promotion. And last night they showed it. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see the proper cocky heel young bucks uh, walking around AEW as well. I think that's something that would be be a nice change I mean, from what we've it's seen. It's going to happen. I mean, yeah. they already started with, you know, they started uh, already. So it's just a matter of time. And, and like I said, I think that's one of the reasons I watch AEW because of that storyline and then everything that's been going on with FTR and all that stuff. So it's it's interesting. It makes you want to go back and watch it. 
Yeah, I think without a doubt, and I think that's a, a good thing for the product. Uh, Prediction-wise, we both went Young Bucks, so we both got points, so it's two all at this moment in time. As for the poll, um, 87 for the Young Bucks. <laughs> so, yeah, no doubt. There was no doubt. Yeah, there's no doubt. But um, we'll, see. we'll see. But I mean, again, like I said, uh, I, just, I, I just wish... Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think that Luchasaurus will do good as a single wrestler? I think he could be a breakout star if they want to, you know. I think with Orange Cassidy, the way they've gone about it like that, I think Luchasaurus could definitely be challenging, especially with a guy his size as well, you know. Yeah, Jungle Jungle Boy could too also. Uh, I think um, when he wrestled, I think when um, Luchasaurus wrestled Warlow, I saw a little bit of, um, how you call it? Little cracks in his armor as far as timing. He's good with the kicks and all that. But, you know, um, I think he should leave for tag team for now and see what happens. But he could be a breakout star. I like Luchasaurus. I think we had that. I think you can do the monster hill as well and do it because we have, you know, not really seen him just coming in and smashing people. And with Jungle Boy can be the ultimate baby face as well with his size. And he'll make you feel sorry for him. And I think that's definitely something they can look at down the line. But I think have a little bit of success between themselves first and then look at that, you know, long term goals and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, AEW has to create more stars. And I yeah. think, I mean, like I said, it's not even a year year. So we'll see. Without a doubt. All right, so our next match was the Casino Battle Royale for a shot of the AEW champion. Consisted of Trent, Ray Phoenix, Christopher Daniels, Jake Hager, and The Blade. Group 2 featured Big Will Hobbs, Santana and Ortiz, Chuck Taylor and Frankie Zarian. Hager eliminated Daniels while Kazarian sent The Blade packing, all while Hobbs paired off with Phoenix. Up next is part of Group 3 with Billy Gunn, Pentel Zero M and Ricky Starks with Brian Cage, your team Taz, and Cage Starks immediately dumped gun while Darby Ellen entered the match. Now, before we go on, AEW kind of, I don't know if it's uh, my problem with it, but these kind of battle royals and, and like we've seen before with a shot at opportunity, they kind of, they build it up, but I don't really think it delivers in ring because it is just your standard battle royal as such, isn't it, you know? Yeah, I, I, the battle royals is, I, I find uh, the Casino Royale battle royal interesting, though, because I, there was one particular, two guys that I wanted to see them square off was Brian Cage and Lance Archer. Um, I think, um, it was just a typical battle royal. I think Darby Allen just took it to another level. Um, and, and speaking of Darby Allen, uh, I think he's one of the guys that, you know, he decides what he's going to do in a wrestling match because I think last night uh, that move where Starks and Cage put him in a body bag and they put thumbtacks in there and the way he landed, he landed on his head on the stage and they were checking up on him. I think um, guys like that, that, you're taking too much bumps just to please who? Because there's not fan, there's not a lot of fans in there. So you, you you're doing an overboard. I mean, I can't say that the Casino Royale was bad because there was a couple of other things that happened in there. But I'm gonna let you go ahead and continue about one particular thing that happened there that I was like, why did this? Right. So we had um, Group Four, and they brought the arrival of Sean Spears, Eddie Kingston, The Butcher, Sonny Kiss, and Lance Archer. Um, best friends were eliminated by Santana and Ortiz. Sonny Kiss eliminated Hager. One thing about Hager, 
he was sweating so much last night. It was unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like... yeah and they, they, but they were talking about. I was reading and uh, I was reading the Dershey, and I think the uh, the commentators were saying it. It was very humid in daily plays last night, um, and that's one of the reasons uh, these guys were sweating off. The part that Sonny Kiss, um, again, we're gonna go back to the, what we were talking about the Joey Janela uh, match. The part that Sonny Kiss um, threw Hager out um, again. It's probably they're gonna do probably Sunny Kiss and join Janela do a program with the inner circle. I don't know who are gonna be the challengers. It's gonna be Jericho and Hager, uh, but we don't know. But I, watching Sunny Kiss get rid of uh, Jake Hager, that's right there. That's a storyline. I think that's what it's, it's gonna take it to where Joy Janela and Kiss is probably gonna wrestle Hager and Jericho. Yeah, I think without a doubt. Well, Sunny Kiss was eliminated by Archer. Spears still refused to get into the ring. And the murder hawk monster dumped Ortiz as Matt Seidel arrived as the joke of the match. And it was great to see Matt Seidel, the former Evan Bourne. Um, and, well, it's not, again, it's not his fault. But as he came in, he went for the uh, the shooting star and slipped off. The... It was a hell of a botch, but he's very lucky it wasn't a serious injury, you know? Yeah, they, they, that's what I'm saying. They they were saying that the ropes were sweaty. I mean, I never heard of that, but the ropes were sweaty. It was so humid in a spot. But then... Here's my thing. I understand you're trying to make an impact, and you know you're Matt Seidel. You're, I mean, you're a great wrestler. But why are you trying to do a shooting star in a battle royal? And yeah. when I saw him take that bump, I was like, oh my god, he got hurt. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it was great to see him, and I'm glad that he's now with AEW. You know what I'm saying? Um, but. I, I was like, my goodness. Um, and then the internet went crazy talking about, all oh, uh, he doesn't know how to take do a shooting star. I'm like, it's an accident. It happens. Like, you know, um, a lot of wrestlers do stuff and they botch and they, they slip off the ropes. So Yeah, we're about to yeah. Yeah, and I was like, but but again, uh, situations like that in a battle royal, and I understand that you're trying to impress people, but I don't think he needed to do that. And he almost got hurt. Yeah, and I think there was a couple of moments, like I said, with just think about when he's coming out and the emotion and everything like this. Yes, it was a mistake, but I feel with the because we had uh, Darby Allen uh, eliminating Ricky Starks, and then obviously we had, like I said, the moment with the thumbtacks. And I always remember Mick Foley saying this was like the the ones that hurt the most are the ones that don't look as good. And you know that bump that Allen took. Yeah, but this is that's what I'm saying. Like I know AEW has a lot of. Uh, they leave the wrestlers have free creativity, and um, and that's that's why I say I think they, Darby Allen is the one that's coming up with all these crazy ideas. Um, you know, like you see what he did to Ricky Starks a couple of weeks ago, where he ripped his back apart with with a bunch of thumbtacks on the bottom of the skateboard. This thing that he did last night, I believe it was his call to do that. And you know, he's a, he the guy is a, a daredevil. You know. Um, he doesn't care, you know, and um, I mean, he had, um, I think it was a Chris Van Fleet interview. He said it. He likes that daring stuff. I mean, he, a couple of months ago, he was doing uh, uh, videos where he was doing the coffin drop from like high places, landing, sponge thing. Like, the guy's a nut. So, you know, if he keeps doing it, and I don't think he, he even said it. He's not planning to stay in wrestling for too long anyway. So, oh, uh, well, we'll see what happens. But like I said, if he, he wants to have longevity in, then he might have to change his style. But that always comes a little bit with age as well, doesn't it? I feel with some wrestlers, yeah. 
you know, when we look at someone like AJ Styles, what he was doing uh, early on in his career to what he's doing now is, is a little, you know, as like I said, night and day. Uh, anyway, Sedell dropped Cage and eliminated Spears with a double stomp on the ring apron. Hobbs obliterated Sedell with a spine bust for coming face to face with Archer, who drops him with a pounce. The big men squared off next as Archer and Cage exchanged blows. Cage uh, sparred with Hobbs on the ring apron, allowing Archer to deliver a drop to the floor. Sedell eliminated the Butcher and Kingston eliminated him. Butcher and Blade tried not to fear, but Archer tossed Kingston to the floor with a win, whilst Jake the Snake was kind of tapping him with the snake in the bag. It was kind of, I don't know, it seemed a bit weird, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but listen, I, I mean, I love it though because, you know what I'm saying, what was Jake the Snake Roberts uh, psychotic, uh, not psychotic, psych, uh, psychological moves back in the days he'll bring them snakes and now you're not thinking about him you're thinking about that snake you don't want it, that snake on top of you so it was pretty good because they kept saying it and it's eddie Kingston is afraid of snakes so jay's gonna tap you with that snake it's gonna make you lose focus um but if i didn't see eddie kingston winning it I, I thought eddie kingston was probably gonna do some probably some sneaky stuff and turn on one of these guys whatever but lance archer is the perfect guy who won that Casino Royale for the simple fact the guy's been sitting around for months ever since he lost to, to Cody, and that was back in April, like when like the ending of April. So when he lost to Cody at TNT for the TNT title, I think it was in was it double or nothing? I think it was in May. Okay, May. Yeah. Um, but he's been sitting around doing nothing. He had a one match with Joey Janela, which it was not it was, I think, Fighter Fest. But he's been sitting around doing nothing, and I think he's a legit contender. I mean, and, and it's perfect because now you're going to have him wrestle the champion and they have a history and, you know, and they wrestle in Wrestle Kingdom this year. So, but I, I like Lance Archer. I'm a big fan of Lance Archer. Yeah, I, I think they missed a trick with Brian Cage to try and, like I said, capsulize on the momentum. But I think with Archer, it was the right pick in the end. Like I said, you prediction-wise, you went Archer. I went for Cage. Um, so you went 3-2 up there. And on the poll, Darby Allen got 24%. Uh, Brian Cage got 19%. Other people got 19%. But Archer was the winner there with 38%. A match overall, I'm going to give it a three and a quarter out of five because it wasn't the best battle royal ever. It had its moments, but I don't think there was enough to really... Uh, have a lasting effect, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I think this uh, battle royal um, was okay. I mean, it's nothing. It's nothing to. Uh, I mean, if you compare it to, I remember one of the best battle royals I I know from. This is before AEW started. That was the All Out or All In, All In, and that was a good battle royal. Last year's battle royal was uh, okay. This was, I mean, it wasn't that bad. It just, I felt like I said, there was um, the Matt Seidel trying to do a, a 450 splash in the middle of a battle royal was a bad move. He almost hurt himself. The bump that, that Darby Allen took, I mean, but overall it was pretty good. I like the fact that Lance Archer won. I think he was the right guy to win this. Yeah, I think they need to build because there is a lot of. Um... It's just think about Archer, I think, and I think they can capitalise on it. But we talk about big bumps, and we had a couple of Darby Allen in that match. Well, up next, the match between Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara. It oh, was oh, fucking hell. It was difficult to watch, I will say that. Uh, started off in your standard brawl. Of course, if Matt Hardy had lost, he would have to leave AEW. And then they um, went, up, start, uh, went up some stairs, and um, as Hardy went for the, the, the suplex, kind of, the road shot the table. 
and he knocked himself out on the concrete floor. There's oh, no it, doubt about it, it. it. That was bad, man. Was, I'm yeah. telling you, when I saw him, when I saw him fly off that, that whatever they call that, and he hit his head on the concrete, and I saw the referee throw the X, I'm like, and you could tell, you don't even have to, they didn't even have to put the camera close to him. Mm. You could tell he was not in earth. This guy not was yet. somewhere else. And I, I mean, AEW is going to get a lot of heat for this and, and, and the fact that they decided that after all this happened, I thought they were going to stop the match and that was it, you know? And, you know, is AEW irresponsible for not having another match ready just in case, you know? And I guess, it, you know, they claim, I read something this morning that the uh, the doctor did the protocol, protocol checkup, concussion, whatever, and he said that Matt Hardy passed it. But I'm like, how can you do a protocol checkup and then Matt Hardy passed it? When Matt Hardy couldn't even get up, he was stumbling yeah. all over the place. He was still not there. Well, so, it, yeah, this is the thing is like um, when it happened and I was like, oh, my word. And then as he's getting checked and I thought, right, let me uh, go to the toilet, you know, give myself a, a little break. And I come back in, the match is started again. You're thinking, yes. what, why yeah, is it? What's going on? You know, he was out. He was out. It, I mean, when um, I mean, I was watching him with my friend and he told me maybe. Matt Hardy did not want it the match to end that way. But that's not the wrestler's call. Yeah, the wrestler no. is hurt. And the referee and the doctors have to make the call. Look, you're hurt. I understand you don't want you don't want the fans to be disappointed, but you're hurt. It was a bad bump. And next thing you know, then to make it worse was he's concussed. And now they're climbing this thing, yeah. this the scaffold, so they could push Sammy off the scaffold so he could win. Yeah. Uh, I, and I'm like, you're taking two minutes, you're putting two minutes more into a match. It's already already sabotaged because the guy got hurt. And now you're putting that same wrestler who got hurt into more danger mm-hmm. just to win the match. I mean, his wife was pissed off on Twitter. I mean, she, oh my God, because I oh, follow no, her yeah. I follow Rebby Hardy, and she was like on fire. And she was, I'm, yeah. It's, this like, is like I said, back I off. Mean, it, was a, it was a back off from AEW. Yeah, well, this is the thing. Uh, like I said, it's across all Twitter, and Tony Khan saying that he passed the, the test, even though he's still in hospital uh, the day after uh, with a concussion. And, and this is a problem with wrestling, and this is your argument you have as a wrestling fan where people go, oh, wrestling isn't real. Well, no, what other sport, what other place would a, uh, a person be knocked out cold and expect to continue the match because that's what they do? You know, no no other place, not even UFC, not boxing, not, not anywhere else, you know, on the football field or anywhere like that, would a, would a participant be knocked out and then expected to get up and actually feel, no, I have to get up because I owe these fans. And that's the crazy thing. They, they, they should have taken it out of Matt Hardy's hands and gone, right, that stops now. And we can, you know, at the moment in time, the fans will care more about you personally than they will about a storyline, you know? Yeah, and, and to me, like I said, it's just very irresponsible uh, on AEW part. And right there after that, that was that uh, everything just started going downhill. And that's like, I saw that. And I was like, you know, how you allow a guy to... I don't care. I don't care if you're the world champion and you're full of adrenaline. I mean, you're just putting yourself in danger. I I, I don't know. AEW is going to get a lot of heat from this, and and you know, um, that's not good. It's not good for them for a company who's not even been around for a year. 
Yeah, and this is a problem, and they could have solved it quite simply. Uh, rating for this match is non-applicable because, like I said, the match shouldn't have continued. Prediction-wise, we both picked Matt Hardy, so it went 4-3 there. And Matt Hardy on the poll got 75%. But it left a, a, a sour taste in the mouth of, I think, everybody watching that pay-per-view at that point in time, you know? Yeah, yeah. And because and, now, you know, it's like, you know, it was the first thing, you know, what's the first thing these trolls online is going to say? Oh, well, WWE doesn't do that. And does, you know, to get negative feedback and then to top it off, real pro wrestling fans like us, it's going to be like, yeah, that's not a cool move, man. You, yeah. You're not looking out for the best interest of your guys. You know, you have to because that, that oh my God, I still see it in my head. It is head on that concrete. That was not good at all. I mean, it was just bad. And the problem for that then was not only everything that goes with the treatment of Matt Hardy, but how the card kind of had to continue. And then you had arguably one of the hottest matches, one of the matches that I was most looking forward to, the AEW Women's Championship match, Hiroku Shida versus Thunder Rose, who's the NWA Women's Champion. And it was just, the crowd was so flat after that point that I didn't think it mattered what these two women did. Uh, it wouldn't have got reaction. And I think these two women killed it. And Thunder Rosa, I think, stepped up and said, right, let me show you what I can do. And I think these two women put on a hell of a performance, you know? Yeah, they, uh, I mean, I really didn't pay attention to the crowd because uh simple fact, you know, I've gotten so used to not even bothering these crowds or not. I just like watching the match because, you know, Thunder Rosa, uh, I, I, me personally, I would have... Now, t- tell me if this is not a good idea. I felt... You want to make the NWA Women's Champion look good, and you want to make the AEW World Champion look good. Wrestle and have a person like Nyla Rose, you know, come in and interfere in the match after a great match. And, you know, it's a no contest. Nobody, none of the champions get hurt as far as, you know, uh, being a, a, a good champion. You know what I'm saying? But having Hiroki Shida beat Thunder Rosa, who's the NWA World Champion, it, it's not really good for NWA. So it's like saying AEW, you know, is better than NWA. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that they are. That's the way they're thinking. But that's just my thought because uh, I also read that I thought it was going to be like a working relationship between NWA and, and AEW. Well, according to some dirt sheet, it said it's, that's not just a once, once in a lifetime thing for now. Yeah. But the only way I could see it, maybe they could do an NWA angle, or maybe uh, like come in and try to invade AEW and have that's your woman's champion. You know what I'm saying? But I think they should have just, to my to my opinion, and I said this in my podcast that I did this morning, was I think I would have been better off have like Nyla Rose interfere in the match after a great match, because that match was like at least 20, 25 minutes long, and it was good. It showed both women's skills and both women's uh, ability to to take punishment, And but Thunder Rosa is legit. That well, I, yeah, I will I'll completely agree. I think both women are fantastic. I think that it just felt like a WWE style move when you've got the and it felt predictable when you've got the NWA champion, a, a company come from the outside. You should surprise everybody and have Rosa maybe get the victory. And then you're going, well, hang on a minute here. It doesn't make the AEW look weak. Actually, looks makes them look better because they're help, helping another company out plus building the, the women's division as well. You can have your rematch on Dynamite in a couple of weeks and have uh, Shida getting the title back. And I think it breathes a bit of excitement. When it was it happened the way it did, you just thought, oh, this was... 
Okay, do you know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. It was a hell of a match between the two. And uh, Rosa did kick out of the, the Falcon Arrow, stunning Sheeda. And then she applied the stretch muffler, but Rosa reached the force of break. And she did continue her fight and put Rosa away with a running knee to earn the victory. I think, like I said, both women turned it up in this one. Uh, I thought it's great. But even though the result prediction-wise, because I obviously went uh, Sheeda compared to your Rosa, I wouldn't have minded if Rosa win because it would have it made it more exciting, I feel, you know? Yeah, I, I, I picked Rosa. I mean, I, I didn't want to be like, oh, I'm picking Sheeta because I'm, I'm looking at a bigger picture, mm. you know? So, like I said, that's my my theory. I said, okay, I know Nyla Rose supposedly in the AEW ranking, had they have her as the number one contender because she hasn't gotten a return match. So, I figured what a better way to push Nyla Rose as a this big heel, she's already has that um, um, label. Um, then to interfere on a great wrestling match between two champions, but they didn't do it that way. So when she uh, pin pinned um, Thunder Rosa, it was like a disappointment for me. You know, so it was like, but overall the match was great. Uh, maybe yeah, if you would have had the fans because the place was so hot, maybe people were worn out. But you know, I mean. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, they'll have some NWA wrestlers and maybe an angle or invasion or something. It'll be cool. Yeah, let's, let's hope they can because I think that would be really, really good stuff. And then up next, a match that I felt could have been on AEW. We had Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky, uh, and, of course, the Natural Nightmares going against the Dark Order. I thought it was weirdly positioned in the show. And I think when you're looking at it and, you know, you're going all oh, your shows, you know, two and a half hours or two hours at this point, maybe cut it. Did they just have the match because of uh, Cardona's AEW pay-per-view debut? Or, and also what I felt is that it's set up for Dynamite and it said to them, well, pay-per-views are right, but Dynamite's more important because um, Dustin Rose versus uh, Brody Lee match coming up. That's, I think, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't see that coming, but it looked like that's exactly what they did. They put, uh, at first I thought, I figured, well, you know what? They're having this eight-man tag. They're pushing Matt Cardona, even though Matt Cardona doesn't have a contract with AEW. Not yet. Um, so um, I figured, well, they're going to push it because they're probably, Matt Cardona is the next guy up against Brody Lee. And that's why I picked them to win by disqualification against Dark Order. But as it turned out, that's not what they're doing. They're pushing Dustin Rhodes against um, Brody Lee. Um, the match, I mean, Mark Cardona did not show me anything that I haven't seen in WWE. He looks like he hasn't improved anything. He's just the same <laughs> Matt Cardona that you see. Um, the surprising part was that it looks like Cole Cabana is out his way out of Dark Order. I mean, when he first joined, I, I thought he was out of place. He didn't belong there. Um, but then again, I, I understand the concept of the Dark Order. You know, you lose a lot of matches, will help you win. Um, but I think out of all, out of the whole match, the guys that I really impressed me in there is Stu Grayson. That guy is awesome. Mm. That guy, yeah. every time I see him, he like he just his skill sets is just getting better and better. And of course, Brody Lee. Showing his powerful moves and all that stuff. I mean, the guy could—he's a good super kick you before you even get off the ropes. Like his—he's awesome. Well, but you know, everything was—I I thought they probably wanted the whole match was 
was to build Matt Cardona, but apparently that wasn't the case. It was more to, you know, to build a match between Dustin Rose and Brody Lee. Yeah, that's what it seems like. And the thing with Colt Cabana is maybe have him make a face turn against a dark horse to him being kicked out that way. It'll be, it might be interesting to see. I just felt this was a little bit of, it was just unneeded for me, you know, and I feel, especially towards the end, when you, you saw what was going on, you thought, oh, this is going to go a certain way because Vogue's got their kind of hot tag. He survived the Larry from Lee, dodged the moonsault for Cabana and rolled him up. And of course, you see them celebrating. Uh, again, didn't really build excitement for me. Uh, just going back to the, the women's match, because I didn't do a rating for it. I'm going to give the women's match a four out of five. Uh, because yeah, I, thought that I was agree a really with that. Match. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The poll was 56% Shida over Rosa. With this one, I'm, I'm going to be nice to it and give it a three out of five for the eight-man tag, even though I'm not sure if that really deserves it, you know? Yeah, I would have gave it a two and a half, because if you think about it, this is just me. I, I see... Scorpio Sky didn't gain anything out of this. Matt Cardona just, you know, he's do his uh, first pay-per-view um, and AEW. Didn't impress me at all. Uh, QT Marshall, he's just another lost sh- uh He's lost in the shuffle. He's just a jobber. And the one who came out of winning out of all this was Dustin Rhodes. And, and yeah. you know, because, and also, you have to think, you have to have one of the Rhodes win because Cody's not there. And Cody's doing movies or whatever he's doing. So why not give, you know, a, 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 a joyous momentum for Dustin Rhodes? You see at the end, everybody picked up Dustin Rhodes, you know, you know as their leader. So, uh, you know, but we'll see. I mean, it's going to be an interesting match between him and Brody Lee, but Brody Lee's going to kill him. That, that, yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's fair. Yeah. He's going to beat him up. I so. think that's fair. And uh, on the poll-wise, it was 77, 77% even for Dark Order. Uh, yeah. I have a Cardona, but you did say Cardona and Co would win. So at that point in time, you went five four up in predictions. Now during this time, I'm watching it and I'm thinking, right, it's going on a little bit now. We're a couple of hours in, but was this pay per view all about the free match show? Because I think we've seen beforehand, apart from maybe the women's match, had led to this moment. Because the next three matches were probably the most important overall on the pay per view, weren't they? You know. Yeah, I mean. By then, now you have two hours in, and right now, and you, you know, fresh in my head is that Matt Hardy situation, the Matt Seidel accident. So I'm like, okay, um, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping the FTR and Omega match and pay Omega and Page match is going to be exciting. It's going to be something crazy is going to happen. So you know, at that time, I'm waiting like. Okay, um, I'm still waiting for that. Oh my God, get out of here! Oh my God, can't wait for. I was still waiting for that, but you know, but it, it, at that time, I was like, "Why does this look like this pay per view is going downhill?" Yeah, without so. a doubt, this is what I was worried about. Uh, but then we had, like I said, the AEW tag team titles on the line: Kenny Omega and uh, Adam Page versus FTR. Now, I mean, maybe I'm a snob because, like I said, been watching wrestling for so many years, for so many decades. You expect certain things from certain matches, and I thought this one would be a a five-star classic of a tag team match. And maybe if I didn't have my hopes so high, I wouldn't have been disappointed with it. Uh, because don't get me wrong, I think it was great action, but I think not every match has to be 30 minutes either. You know, and I think that hurt the match a little bit. Uh, and and I, I had a feeling you was going to say this. And what I said in my podcast was a lot of people are so conditioned to watch a tag team match and last 10 
maybe five, six, ten minutes, right? And then I used that that slow, methodical, old school tag team, and that's exactly what I saw last night. It was an old school, uh, you know, old school tactic, you know, tagging in and out. If you notice, they were they were working on Hangman Page for most of the match. It wasn't until Omega came in and then Omega, I think he injured his leg and they were working on his leg. But if you look at FTR, FTR uh, reminds me a lot of Tully Blanchard and Art Anderson. They work on one body part. And that's the lost art in tag team wrestling. Um, you don't see that no more. A lot of the guys, you get the high-flying stuff, flippity, flippity, stuff all, all over the place. There's not a, a, a team like FTR right now where they're showing is methodical. They work on one body part. They tell a story. And that's why I guess the well, the match was long. I'm not going to lie. It was yeah, long. It, it was long. <laughs> it, it, it was long to what I'm used to watching. Man. But I'd enjoy it because it brings back those memories of me watching tag team wrestling back in the 80s and 90s when a guy works on one body part and tells a story in that, you know. And, I mean, overall, the ending and the way it ended was beautiful. I mean, it's perfect because it's continued the storyline that started back in July when FCR first came in. And it also clicks to what's going on with the Young Bucks. So it, it was long. It was very long. But I like it. I, I I give it to me. I'll give it a four. That match. Right. Before we get on that, let's talk about because there's a couple of things now I want to pick up on. I completely agree with the revival as they were in WWE. They were our tag team for three years running because of the old school style that they do, cutting off a ring and making it work like that. I also like them as well because when I was uh, hearing a couple of interviews and they were going up to the face tag teams and saying, right, what's your big spots? What's the ones you want us to sell for? And the teams are looking at them going, what, you, you haven't got any moves that you want to do? And they're saying, we're a hill tag team. Our job is to make the face teams look good and to bounce mm-hmm. off you. And if that means to take the moves, then we will. And it's that sort of a psychological uh, psychology in ring that makes him such a great tag team. And like I said, we had the story of the match. But I think my problem is because I'm expecting the best tag team match ever, I think that's where the, you kind of hopes get caught up with it. As a storyline, they like said, his storyline with Omega uh, getting his leg worked on and the champions fighting back and looking to put the challenges away. Wheeler evaded the buckshot lariat and Omega inadvertently blasted Page with a V-trigger. A spark pile driver failed to put Page away, but a second earned FTR the tag titles. Again, nice finish because of what we saw leading up to it. And after the match, Omega walked out on Page, stomping out the arena, followed by the Young Bucks, who implored the former champion to talk about things and get the car and driving off. Like I said, that's a, that's a year's worth of storyline uh, still working there. Should they have um, left it with Omega and Page? Should they have split up sooner? Or do you think this is the right timing for it? Well, I mean, the way I saw it last night, it's perfect because... Uh, I don't know if you follow BTE, but they've been a uh, teasing of uh, Kenny Omega, the cleaner, the way he used to be back in Japan. So this is perfect because if uh, I don't know if you caught it, but when he was leaving, yeah. he pretty much told the Young Bucks, you know, we got to go back to the way it was. You know, said the cleaning days, you know, and it leaves the Young Bucks, which the part that I don't understand why the Young Bucks are giving an ultimatum when they just threw out Hangman out of the elite a couple of weeks ago. But it's perfect because now um, the heel turn for the original members of the elite are going to get back together. It's just a matter of time. Something's, you know, I still see Hangman probably being part of 
of uh, of the four horsemen that's gonna come very soon. Because uh, if you yeah. saw the jacket on on Tolly Blanchard, it says "Fear the Revelation," yeah. and uh, Revelation in the Bible they talk about the four horsemen. So, um, so I could see that happening. Um, but it, it, but I like the way it ended in in the fact that Omega walked away from him, left him on the ring, because now you want to see what's gonna happen Wednesday. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it's like you know the fallback of that. But so, I think so. I mean, but- yeah, I think the problem is, though, with, with AEW and the pay-per-view is, and I'll see, see it back in the day with WCW, where the pay-per-view needs to be the payoff as opposed to, yes, it's good to find out what's happening next, but a pay-per-view shouldn't be there to build the next dynamite. It should be there to kind of finish storylines. This is a kind of overarching theme, and we'll see it through dynamite leading to the next AEW pay-per-view. Cause they announced it was going to be November 7th, which is pretty yeah. soon, isn't it, you know, compared to what we've had before? Well, I think they give... They give it like two months. I think they go worked between two months, three months. But now that you're talking about the the the, the pay per view or the payoff, um, and it's true because in my head, um, I was thinking this is like a uh, a storyline that happened back in 1988 when the Clash of the Champions two, Barry Windham and Legacy Champions, and Tully and Arn were the were the, um, the the challengers, and Barry Windham turned on Luger and they at made the horsemen the champion. So I was thinking in those lines. I said, maybe they're going to use something like that. Maybe Omega is going to turn on Handman. The fact that uh, I remember watching uh, in the beginning of before the show started, they did a promo with the Young Bucks and they said uh, something about you're going to pay for it. I thought the Young Bucks were going to interfere, cost um, Omega and pays the titles. So I was looking for a real heel turn in this match, but it never happened. But like I said, there is still hope to go on. Uh, Poll-wise, out of all the polls, FTR, they've got 88%. It was the biggest landslide overall that we had. Uh, Prediction-wise, we both got a point for that. So it went 6-5 into the co-main event, which was the match, Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. Now, this feud for me has been a breath of fresh air because there's a lot of people throughout time that says funny doesn't equal money. And I've always said Orange Cassidy is a different kettle of fish to most of that because I think he's got a serious side. And I feel Chris Jericho saw that and was like, let me make this guy. And I think, you know, when you look at the, the match quality of their feud, maybe not at the level that we want, but I think with the payoff that we got, I think it was just deserved, you know? I I mean, you you probably gonna look at me like I'm crazy, but I think this match, I guess because the first two matches they had, I wasn't too crazy about it, but then when they added the stipulation with the mimosa, I found that it was long and boring. I I don't know why, but it just like it looked like Jericho was slow on a lot of his moves, um, and it's like the timing was a little bit off, uh, but it, it just didn't grasp my attention. I was like. I seen these matches two times already. The first time it was pretty good. The second time, I was like, okay, so now I got you. But when they added the stipulation, the mimosa stuff, I'm like, okay, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, I, I didn't like it. I, I, I found it too long, boring. I think they put it in place because maybe they didn't want Jericho to lose um, either pinfall submission. So to have it like that then you can say, right, Cassidy wins the feud and you can move on. I don't think Jericho gets hurt from this. And I think with Cassidy as well, 
uh, there's something about him that I just like, and I'm behind him in matches. And I think for a wrestler to have that, I think it's very, very important. Yes, we've kind of seen the feeling of, you know, he's going to tip and he's going to tip not. But I think it delivered, in my eyes, for what I wanted to see to end it and Orange Cassidy actually getting the victory. And we talk about, and you mentioned it right at the start, about building new stars. This is probably the one match you look at and go, right, they're looking at Cassidy now and they're going, right, there's a guy who's going to be a future star. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jericho, I mean, and I said this in my podcast also, Jericho creates stars, you know what I'm saying? Mm. But I think uh, Orange Cassidy became a star when he had his match with Pac at Revolution because nobody expected him to do any of those moves against Pac back in February, you know? So I guess because I've seen them wrestle three times already, maybe they didn't catch my eye. Um, And yeah, you're right, because Jericho didn't get pinned. He didn't submit. Uh, He just fell in a pool of mimosa. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. When, but I think now Jericho moves on now maybe to a few with Joey Janela yeah. and, and, and Sonny Kiss and him and Hager. And then Orange Cassidy, I don't know what, what is going to be his next move. But um, who knows? He'll probably feud with MJF. I think that, yeah, I think that would be something that we'll see with two young guys, uh, you know, trying to get across. And I, I, do, I do feel with Orange Cassidy that as long as they can continue – given a meaning and a goal, I think the character can work. Like I said, the worst thing to do after a feud is to have nothing for them and not really sure how to build on it. They need to build now the momentum that they made after the Mosa match last night, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's true, yeah. So we'll, we'll see because now, okay, there's a lot of, like I say, as this pay-per-view is going and I was like, the Mimosa match, I was like, oh my God, this is a slow dying death, you know? <laughs> and I was like, I hope the world title... Um, match is better than this. And I think that was up next. Yes, that was our main event. And I, before I say that, I did feel a bit like that during the tag team match of thinking this kind of needs to hurry up a little bit, you know, uh, because at, <laughs> yes. at, that, at that point in time, you're looking at kind of half four in the morning, you're thinking, oh, this is not that great. Uh, poll wise for that one, Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho, 60% to 40% Chris Jericho. And I picked OC there. So we went 6 6. So we were a level with our main event, which is the AEW World Championship, John Moxley versus MJF. I thought this was a, a big um, styles clash, but I felt that they did as well as they could have done. And as I'm watching the match and it's going along, and of course Moxley hurt his arm, you're thinking, is that going to come back to play? Have we seen it before? MJF bleeding as well. But I thought Wardlow would pay a presence, and he did in the end. Uh, what did you think of the match up until the, the ending shenanigans? The the uh, I think um, MJ was playing it very smart because uh, even the commentators were saying he he didn't want to wrestle Moxley outside because he knew you wrestle Moxley outside that's where Moxley thrives the most you know what I'm saying with chairs and all kinds of stuff but he was playing it smart and the fact that he was working on a body part again I'm gonna bring that up he worked on the body part all night through that match and with the arm uh, Moxley. Of course, you know, you got to give him credit. He, you know, he he takes a beating, but he gives it right back. I mean, MJF, let me tell you something. MJF in this match uh, came out big time, like a star, because it shows that, you know, he didn't, he's a heel, and, you know, he may do little sneaky stuff, whatever, but it shows you that he could take a beating, you know. And, and, and last night, um, he leveled up as a star. So, you know, the fact that Warlow got involved after the match, you know, uh, that's going to play out for another storyline that I'm I'm looking forward to. 
Yeah, I think JR was, he didn't ruin the ending for me, but during the match and he's going, well, MJF has proven how tough he is right now. And it's like, okay, so they're doing that. Then they're going to show that MJF is, is a tough guy who can handle being in the ring of Moxley, but it's not quite his time you know, now. But I think Moxley is Moxley. I think what you see is what you get. And I think the kind of brawling style and everything like that is fun. Uh, but it just, we want, I want to see maybe a little bit more from him once, you know, he eventually drops a tire. See kind of where he goes. Uh, as for MGF, very, very impressed with him. Uh, the style he wrestles is not the most exciting, but I think that helps a hill, especially with the crowd, you know, when he's trying to go for the arm bars or anything like this. It's, you don't want to see a hill going for an exciting thing, you know. And uh, with the paradigm shift being, um, you know, not being able to be used, and then we see uh, Wardlow thrown in the ring, causing a distraction, and Mox hitting it and getting a pinfall victory. I think MGF is, like I said, a future world champion. There's no doubt about that. But for Mox, I think it's going to be interesting because as we saw at the end, him looking at Archer, we've got our next built feud. But is that the end for Moxley, or do you feel like Moxley has still got a lot more as well champion? Well, see, that's the that's the that's the hard part to talk about because I know Archer and Moxley met at Wrestle Kingdom when Archer was the United States IWGP champion, and they had a crazy match. I think it was uh, uh, the street fight. I think it was, but Moxley beat him, but. Um, if Archer beats him, I'll be very surprised because that means that you're going to put the belt on a guy like Archer. Who's going to beat Archer? You know, I mean, that then you're making him, uh, you're putting another champion, more, uh, more powerful champion. Who's going to beat him? Um, I thought last night Moxley was going to lose the belt. I mean, I was predicting this for, for weeks in my podcast that Moxley was going to lose the belt to MJF because, you know, um, MJF was playing it off like he was hurt, blah, 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 the paradigm shift thing. Uh, but uh, don't be surprised uh, if they vacate the belt because, you know, remember, the, the paradigm shift was not allowed in this match. Um, and, you know, MJ, they could pull off the thing with the lawyer stuff or whatever. But if they don't go that route, uh, I, I I think Moxley's going to keep that belt part to the end of the year. I, I, don't, yeah. see, I don't see Lance Archer... Uh, winning the world title because it doesn't make any sense because if if you think Lance Archer is world uh, world champion that he should have won the TNT belt the first time. Yeah, and yeah. I think with AEW as well with the amount of monsters that they've got with Brody Lee and Brian Cage, you have to be careful about how dominant they are with that. But I tell you a funny thing last night as soon as he hit the referee counted, I'm saying to myself. Just end the pay for you. Just end the pay for you. Just don't have someone come out and go. No, you used the finishing <laughs> me. You know? I'm going, just end it. Just end it. Yeah, so, I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine, man. And I feel bad because, you know, with time difference, you know, and um, I'm home. Like it was uh, the, the paper ended around 11:40 something at night, and then I remember you announced that you won the thing, and I was like, and I started counting. I said, like, oh my god, he's. Is he is he's up late, you know? Five o'clock in the morning it finally finished. Yeah. Um and it was like I say though, overall that the match itself I think was pretty solid between Moxley and MJF. I'm gonna give it a three and three quarters out of five because there's not a lot else that these two guys could have done to improve it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean they they 
they both gave it. They all um, Moxley, of course, you know, he always brings it. MJF, like I said, MJF became the star of last night, a bigger star. Um, but, you know, it'll be fun to see what happens now, where, where he's going to go. Is he's gonna, Are they going to continue with this storyline where now he'll use the lawyer and be like, let's go to videotape and the belt becomes vacant or, or held up. But it, it's interesting. But, you know, overall, the, the, the pay-per-view, uh, I think it was one. Of, it wasn't the best. It's not one of the most. And, and I was sh- I'm shocked because most of the pay per views are on point. Uh, I never since their existence, they haven't um, had a bad pay per view. And this last night, with all that stuff that happened, yeah, it was it wasn't it wasn't the greatest. Enough to agree with it, right? So we will say that on the uh, poll, Moxley uh, did have uh, I think 56 percent in the end. So it's pretty close between him and MJF. It did mean I won the prediction 7-6, but I wasn't leading the entire night until the last one. So, what, like I say, what a battle. It just showed that there's two guys who knew their shit, and it could have gone either way, really, in the yeah. end. Uh, like I said, as overall, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to do a match of the night, a uh, person of the night, and a rating out of 10. And first up, my match of the night will be the women's uh, championship, uh, Shida versus Rosa, because I think both women really delivered in especially a difficult spot of the card. What was your match of the night? Match of the night for me was the FTR versus Omega and Pete, but I do because I was looking forward to it. Um I mean, it ended the way it was supposed to end. I expected more after the match, but, you know, we'll, we'll wait to see. I mean, I like that was my match of the night. Pretty right out. Uh, person of the night, I've got to say it's Orange Cassidy. I know you probably won't be happy with that. But I think with a, a performance like with victory over someone like Chris Jericho, name value, I think he is, when you look at overall who was, who you know, was a star here tonight, I think Cassidy has got to be my person of the night. My mine's MJF. I think MJF, um, like I said, his, his star grew. Um, he he. I mean, for a guy who colored himself last night um, and did he did what he could. I mean, even though he was sometimes paraded around, you know, gloating, but the guy's the future star of AEW. Yeah, I think without a doubt. And uh, out of ten, now. I am going to give it an 8 out of 10. Like I said, AEW pay-per-views normally deliver, but I feel that it was just missing something last night. I think AEW went a bit too at some points where they overloaded the pay-per-view. It went four-hour mark. Yes, there maybe weren't that many uh, pieces in time where you were kind of bored, but I think some of the matches just didn't need to be either, and I think that was a problem with it, you know? Uh, when you look at the crowd, they were a little bit quiet. Injuries hurt the pace and feel of the match. Um, but, again, 8 out of 10, because the main match is delivered, and I think if you look at it as, you know, you pay for your admission to see the tag team match, the Mimosa match, and the world title, I think it delivered on that case, so that's why I'm an 8 out of 10. I, I, give, it a, I give it a 7, 7 out of 10. I think uh, they need to... And the reason I say seven out of ten because uh, this this stuff that these wrestlers do these high spots, dangerous spots to um, to get over, it needs to slow down because uh, like I said, uh, the Darby Allen taking that bump, the Matt Hardy that nearly killed himself was uh, that 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 was scary. I mean, as far as the fan is concerned, um, I'm like I said, I, I really don't pay attention to the fan because like, I am so used to watching all these wrestling shows when there's no fans, um, but. The main matches did deliver as far like FTR match, the, the Moxley. The Mimosa match, uh, I wasn't too crazy about it, but the uh, Thunder Rosa and Hiroki, 
was one of one of my favorites, and and, and I think um, I think if they if they keep doing the uh, stuff like this with the AEW Women's Division, they're gonna go they're gonna go places. Yeah, I think that, I think if they put it in the co-main event slot and had it in between the Cassidy and the World Title match, it might have given it a little bit more importance as well. But that's yeah. something that they can definitely work on. Uh, so I think that is it for AEW overall. Is there anything else uh, about All Out you'd like to mention? Or I think that's it now, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's about it. I mean, just all we got to do is just wait till what happens on, 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 well, Wednesday. I don't know when you see it over there. Um, on Wednesday night to see what happens. I mean, it's the the fallout of All Out is going to, you know, it's going to be interesting because... Now we're gonna see what's the new storylines, what's gonna happen with the Hamad Bay situation, um, and you know, and again, I'm still waiting around for the Four Horsemen to 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 to, to rise, the new era of Four Horsemen. So that's like, you know, I can't wait for that. No, well, it's been brilliant to have you on the show. Uh, it's really, really good to talk to someone who's very knowledgeable and obviously knows what they're talking about. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed yourself as well. <laughs> oh, man. Listen, we we got to do this again. Definitely. Well, uh, we'll yeah. We'll definitely well, do down. it on the next pay-per-view. Yeah, if I mean, like I said, you've got the AEW pay-per-view coming up in November as well. And uh, we'll keep in contact. And like I said, it's been really great. That is it on the podcast. Don't forget, we're across all social media, Twitter at the WNR Podcast. And the WNR follower of the week is Alexi Bolden at Alexi underscore 27. Do you want to plug your Twitter quickly? Yeah, uh, I got the Chokeslam Wrestling Report available on Apple, uh, Spotify, uh, Pandora. Also, I got a YouTube channel, same name. You guys can go check it out. Just put uh, a video Yesterday is uh, NXT moving to well, Tuesday. The AEW won the Wednesday war. So you guys could go and check it out and enjoy yourself. Yeah, without a doubt. I've checked it out and it is great content. You wouldn't be on the WNR if it wasn't. And don't forget the WNR are on Facebook and on Instagram as well. The WNR podcast across all Google platforms. Send us an email to WNR podcast at gmail.com. Double podcast also on SoundCloud, on your phone, Stitcher, and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. And our next episode is going to be Francis Wright at Francis Wright PW. We cannot wait. So that is it. And today, like I said, I have been joined by very special guests. Like I say, I really appreciate you taking the time out, uh, no especially in America and all that. Lot. And hope hopefully again soon as well. Yeah. Yes, we got to definitely do it again. I'll cross the pond again. <laughs> no problems. All right. Thanks for listening, Billy, and uh, bye.